Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Overmanga Cast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures, overanalyzing manga that we find interesting. And this week starts off our much beloved annual tradition. That's right, everybody, it's November. So that means it's time for No Read November. And what better way to kick off our third year of spending a month watching crappy live action anime adaptations? Actually, I can think of several better ways, but we are going to just go for the obvious, and we're going to watch Full Metal Alchemist, The Final Alchemy. I'd say enjoy the show, but really, I know what you're here for. Enjoy our suffering. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Overmanga cast. My name is Sam, and... We have returned once again to hell. It's no read November, and you know what that means. Full Metal Alchemist live action movie. I'm very tired. I'm apparently the only one who's very tired, but here we are. It's after- finally over. <laughs> I'm just excited we don't have to do another one of these. I'm still yeah. skeptical. They said that this is the final... I don't know. It's called The Final Alchemy. They've adapted the whole manga at this point. Part four, The Finaler Alchemy, (laughs) next year. Jake, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, as usual, we uh, talk about a familiarity with the franchise uh, that we have uh, consumed, I suppose. As as of last time, um, I have seen all of the Full Metal Alchemist anime, both 2003 and Brotherhood, and the uh, anime movies. You know, uh, the Elrics versus Hitler, that was a good time. And uh, the movies, all of them now, for uh, whatever good that's worth. How about you, Matt? Uh, it's, it's same, actually. I think I've seen all of Full Metal Alchemist, and now that includes all three live-action movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jay, how about you? Uh, same. I have seen the original Brotherhood, and now all three Live-action movies! Wonderful. And Jacob? Um, same as before, basically. Uh, I keep trying to get into Full Metal Alchemist, and for whatever reason, I bounce off of it despite my best efforts, despite it being absolutely up my alley. Uh, I've seen a, a couple of the uh, anime movies. Conqueror of Shambhala is the one that sticks out most in my mind. Yeah, the Alrex versus Hitler. Unfortunately, the closest I've come to seeing the whole thing the whole way through is the live-action movies, which is pain and suffering and <laughs> unpleasant, and I, I don't want to... <laughs> We're going to try to get through this, dear listeners. We couldn't find a synopsis for this movie because I think we're the only people who have suffered all the way through this experience. In fact, comment below if you actually have seen this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's no synopsis on the internet. We're going off of our raw memory at this point. I also want to point out, this movie is two and a half hours long. <laughs> it's so long. It, okay. You remember how nothing happened in the in the Revenge of Scar? They realized, oh, nothing happened in the Revenge of Scar. I guess that means we need to do literally every iconic moment right the hell now. But, but, we got enough uh, play of the original movie for a sequel, so obviously we did something right. We're going to do nothing even harder. (laughs) You want your favorite moments from the series? I got you. We're going to have no connecting material. We're just going to go from one to the other as if you're watching a slideshow. Yeah, it's it's 
really incredible how much nothing happens in the first hour of this movie. Well, we open up with Teach just showing up out of nowhere. So we open up actually with Hohenheim in this random carriage. Yeah, in a wild the west desert. set. <laughs> yes. You know, he's casually asked by one of the other passengers about, you know, like, oh, did you go and visit or, you know, tell me about yourself? And he then expresses that he went to go visit his sons and what was supposed to be, you know, some lighthearted conversation. And he just turns it really weirdly dark. <laughs> they don't need their dad anymore. <laughs> Hold on. I need to be killed by bandits. As Wild West bandits ride on horseback, rob the stagecoach, and shoot him six times through the chest. But not through the clothing, mind you. <laughs> because there's, we, there's special alchemy bullets that pass through clothes without dealing any damage to them. We only had the one costume, okay? They wouldn't let us put holes in it. It doesn't matter, because that gets interrupted with Teach and her husband just jumping out to fight Banditos for some reason. <laughs> I'm an ordinary outside. And, and we get to see, like, all of, like, two punches be thrown and somebody getting Judah thrown. Mm-hmm. Because, yes. And I know what you're thinking, dear listener. Wait a minute. You didn't mention Teach at all in the previous two movies. Why is she here all of a sudden? I wish I could tell you. Okay, so I apparently have the least experience with Full Metal Alchemist. However, I know Teach. I love Teach. So it almost pains me to say it, but quite frankly, she's a character you can cut from an adaptation like this. She is important for the character of the Elrics, but if you can convey enough of their characters without bringing up uh, teach, that's a bunch of time you don't have to spend on a character that you can either randomly cut to and has no connection with the rest of the movie or would uh, bloat the movie uh, to all get out, which the, these movies do both of those. <laughs> but they needed her for a human sacrifice at the end. Yes. They can just change the number of human sacrifices. I don't no. think they know they can. <laughs> no, we have to do the proper number. Otherwise, the fans are going to get angry. Yeah, they're definitely not going to get angry from the absolute shit pile movie that we made. It, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, Teach fights some banditos with Hohenheim. Her husband is definitely in the movie, I guess. He has no lines of dialogue. And then, mm. um, in a really awkward scene... Teach takes Hohenheim into an alley. Uh, Hohenheim goes like, hey, girl, you looking pretty bad. How about I rearrange them guts? Um, you definitely look like one of them did human transmutation types. What did they take? Oh, they, they took my organs, including my, my womb. Oh, that, that sucks. Let me put your organs back in the right order. He just shoves his hand inside of her. It's... It's real weird. Yeah. And then he starts mumbling something about the promised day, and it's like, Hohenheim. <laughs> I mean, are we canceling Hohenheim? Yes, hashtag cancel Hohenheim. <laughs> We're going to be canceling everybody by the end of this movie, because there's some weird shit that happens. <laughs> I know that editing Save of the Future is having to censor me a lot, but this this evokes emotions. <laughs> Look, it, it doesn't matter, because almost immediately after that, they cut straight back to the ending of last movie, which is Lynn 
Ed and Greed all fighting inside of Gluttony, mm-hmm. which envy, looks... I think. Oh, Envy. No, they're inside of Gluttony. They're oh, inside, inside of Gluttony. gluttony. Fighting envy. Right, yeah, I, right, I said Greed instead of Envy, you're right. Greed died. Shows up later. And I'll, yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, so they're fighting inside a green screen. Um, <laughs> it, it looks bad. Which is where Ed will be for the remainder of the movie. Oh, yeah. Ed's actor never leaves the green screen room. They have, like, three sets. Um, the fight's not great. None of the action happens on screen. Um, at one point they get knocked onto a platform of concrete, I think, just to save green screen CGI. I don't know. Well, no, it's so Ed can see the broken uh, piece of the Xerxes transmutation yeah, that's, circle. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the story reason. The real reason is so they're not just in a pot, like puddle of blood they have to animate. Yeah, yeah, because the blood is not real. The blood is not there. It is it is aggressively fake looking, like mm. most things in this movie. So they manage to. This this is intercut with scenes outside where Al is talking with, where Al is kind of just shouting at Gluttony, and Gluttony's like, "Oh no, father's gonna be angry at me. Oh no, you have a father. I'm played by another person again." <laughs> I don't. So we watched the dub again just for consistency's sake, and I don't know. If the translators just gave up as hard as everybody else, but a lot of the dialogue and Al in particular feels just like directly fed through Google Translate once with no attempt at smoothing it out. Yeah, it, it feels it, it doesn't feel like it was translated by somebody who knows both languages. It feels like it was literally translated word for word sentence structure and all at times or i would even ask if they actually had translated an entire script and worked backwards from that or oh you know what i bet mm. you that's what it or was. they just translated line by line there's also some weird line reads where it sound i'm almost certain this isn't the case because this is a professionally made movie and i would hope not ostensibly but it sounds like sometimes they just say grammatically incorrect sentences to the point they don't make sense mm-hmm and this is particularly highlighted because our framing device is Mustang in Central doing a coup, I guess. Because he's in Central at this point talking with one of the generals. Best character in the movie, by the way. I, I loved this guy. I swear, General Raven was drunk in-universe and on set. I I loved the actor for General Raven. He was like, oh, what, I'm in one of them anime movies the kid's like? Well, better be a cartoon character, Tom and Jerry. <laughs> whoa, 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 what's that, Mustang? You heard rumors that the Fuhrer King Bradley is a homunculus? <laughs> Those rumor talkers are confused. Better go into the... Like, room full of all the old dudes so we can tell them about this. The high military brass is here. Hey, guys. Mustang here thinks that our leader's a homunculus. <laughs> and then Wrath yeah, steps out from the shadows to go, Oh, you think I'm a homunculus, do you? Well, we'll go into my office and yes, yes, I am a homunculus. 
Be cool about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and here is the opportune, t- opportune time for you to make a negotiation, you know, for possibly more recognition, uh, higher salary, whatever you want. I legitimately don't even remember what Mustang asked for. Mustang literally asked for, like, why are you keeping me alive? And he said, because you could potentially still be useful. And at that time, I'm just like, like I said, this is the primary time to be like, so can I negotiate a raise? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have a character who later on does almost exactly that, which is hilarious. But like the entire point of this is just for Mustang to then leave, talk to Hawkeye and go, yep, nope, military's corrupt. Time to choose violence. Mm-hmm. Time to do a coup. And oh, and if you were hoping that uh, Hawkeye was going to do literally anything in any of these movies, well, I have some bad news. Mm-hmm. So let's see. That's um, uh, the doc showing up. That's revealing that wrath is wrath. We haven't done the thing with the the alchemy and alchemy book in the drawing of a circle. Hey, let's grab um, Scar's brother's notebook out of this uh, wall in a cabin in the woods. Oh, we, we're not even there yet because at this point in the movie, uh, Ed and Lynn are still stuck in Gluttony with Envy. So we need to have uh, a scene where Al takes Gluttony to Father so we can meet Father. Oh, right. And then Ed can uh, open the door of truth to get them out in a way that means that Al's scene is completely f***ing pointless. And I really just... I think they just leave. Like, I don't even know how that scene ends. I just love how they suck the emotion out of everything in this. Because this is a similar scene to the one in uh, the anime, obviously, because we have to hit all of those, like, key visuals. And And in the show and in the manga, you know, Ed gets to see Al's body in the Door of Truth, and... Uh, he's dragged away before he can bring Al along with him. Uh, the door closes, and then Ed, you know, heroic shonen protagonist that he is, punches through the door and promises to come back for him. And in this, it's just, Al, I'll come back for you. But cool. Sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> I mean, or whatever the whatever the time. Scale I guess I expected is more fanfare. You know, it's been like a decade. I don't know if they have an outer sense of time or something like that. But it's just like I mean, th- these movies don't have a sense of time. <laughs> to be fair, Al- Alphonse also just is a soulless body, so it's not like he cares all that much. <laughs> Gluttony vomits them up in a hilarious visual. Board. <laughs> if you want to call it vomiting, as far as like just like my boy, my boy is just a Pez dispenser, just yoink, <laughs> yoink, yoink, a pelvic thrusting. Yeah, it's like oh, that's a little sexual. <laughs> that that occurs a... way too often in this movie. <laughs> we have the meeting with father, which goes about the way you'd expect it. There's a shocking amount of just continuity errors, I would call them. Like, Father does the thing of turning off alchemy in the region, and that makes Ed fall to his knees. Only for Ed to then immediately jump back up, do the hand clap, drop back down to his knees to try to summon something. And it's like, why did you fall in the first place? He didn't create any, like, shockwave. No one else fell. Because of reasons. Because of reasons. Um, 
God, how did they even get out of that? I don't know. They just I, leave. Like I was gonna say, I don't know what is the 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 key to them escaping. Well, they're they're in the CGI room, and when they go to the next scene, they need to use the same CGI room. So the villains just kind of disappear. <laughs> I think now I'm I'm trying to recall. Do Scar Scar and... Oh no, Scar throws Al's head against oh, the pipe. Right. Oh, spark, that's right! I forgot that is when this happened. Which ignites some gas. I guess. There's a random explosion. <laughs> and that gets them out of there, I suppose. And at this point, now we are getting to the cabin in the woods with the notes from mm-hmm. Scar's brother. Ed still hasn't figured out what in the nine hells is going on. <laughs> Somehow. Ed, Ed hasn't done anything. Like the, nobody's done anything. All three of these movies seem aggressively designed to strip all of the like protagonist elements away from Edward Elric. He's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. They keep acting like he's important, but he is very much so not. He does nothing. So, with all that in mind, um, we haven't done Fort Briggs yet. Uh, okay, we go there. Uh, oh, because they find us. Uh, Scar's brother's notes is the thing where he found out that... Circles uh, are round. Yeah, uh, circles are round, and their country that's the shape of a circle is also in the shape of a transmutation circle. So we have to stop them from doing something up at Fort Briggs that'll, like, finish it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Honestly, to be fair, this is one of the most clear things in the movie, which, like, that's not a compliment. That's actually a problem. Because, um... They keep mentioning uh, that, oh, there have been um, uh, uh, civil wars in each of these regions at at different points. Apparently it's not a civil war in this one. They're provoking the neighboring country, I guess. Like, they waffle back and forth on what exactly is going on there because nothing in this movie is clear. Mm -hmm. So Ed arrives at Briggs, and we have... And we have no time to meet any of the Briggs soldiers or uh, Brigadier General Armstrong. He fights them in the snow for a little bit because Ed goes alone, which in the context of the movie doesn't make any sense. No, doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. The other characters are not currently tied up in entanglements. They just decided not to go with him for some reason. Yeah, and so um, I guess it's for dramatic... I guess it's just for dramatic tension, or it's supposed to be because Winry's there for reasons. Well, she kind of gets introduced like midway through, and then Ed has to go, No, you foolish girl, don't you know? You're only here to be a hostage so that I play ball. And she's like, Are you a hostage? What? And five minutes later, it didn't matter. It meant nothing. Because Swath shows up and he looks terrible. Oh my god, the entire sequence with Swath. So all of the CGI in this has been kind of bad. Sloth looks worse. Sloth um, looks like... Okay, so like we've we've made comparisons to like... This looks like something from like the GameCube era. This looks like mid two. This looks like, this makes N64 look good, (laughs) is what Sloth looks like. It is, I don't know how this happened. He doesn't look like like he exists in the space. And like, we're so starved for action scenes, because there have been fights, but they weirdly cut away from actually showing you any action for like 
the first chunk of the movie. And then Fort Briggs, they're finally showing you like a fight. And it's Sloth versus basically Armstrong, right? Yeah, Armstrong and the Briggs soldiers in their World of Tanks advertisement. And we're not saying because there are tanks. We mean it looks like those ads you see for World of Tanks with the terrible CG tanks just shooting at Sloth, like, two feet away from them. And, like, so you have Sloth who looks unbelievably awful. Like... I don't, I don't know how this ever got past anything. Then you have the World of Tanks tanks, which look... They look the kind of bad you would expect from this movie. And then you have uh, Armstrong. Except the best part is, like, she almost looks CG because of the way that she's composited on. And then she starts clipping through the tank she's supposed to be in. <laughs> I spent no time on this. It's ridiculous. Well, it's because the entire Fort Briggs plotline is just a circle. Because Sloth shows up, they kick his ass, they dump him in the snow and freeze him. Mm-hmm. And then General Raven is there, and he's like, oh, actually, he's important for secret military reasons. Put him back in the hole he came out of. Oh, wow, what's that? The neighboring country's been provoked, I guess. There's going to be a lot of bloodshed. Wow, what a crazy coincidence. And Ed's like, okay, so my attempt to come here and stop the evil plot has um, failed utterly. I am completely useless and will continue to be so for the rest of this interminably long movie. Because this was like, was this when we paused for like, how long has it been? And we saw that it was an hour and we, (laughs) Matt and I entered a state of existential dread. (laughs) Because at this point, it had felt like we should be 75% of the way through the movie and we weren't even half. Yeah, it was something. <laughs> the suffering, the suffering of Matt and Sam was quite enjoyable. It was the only reason why I am not in their state as well. <laughs> so uh, let's see, what else did we miss? A uh, Celine Bradley. Uh, it's. I think that happens after where we're at. But yeah, yeah. So he was introduced in the last movie. And they told the audience that he's one of the homunculi. Mm -hmm. Ed appears to be aware of this fact. Yeah, because it's like, oh, we forgot about pride. All right. um, They're in the woods. Pride starts attacking. We need to find his actual body. Uh, oh, there it is. One cut later, Ed is Ed is walking up on Salim in a, in a in a clearing, like I knew it was you, Pride, huh? So you figured it out, Full Metal Alchemist. Also, I want to point out this is this entire movie has this exact same problem, but this section is the worst. When you've got cheaper CGI, normally you want to hide that by making it dark or something. It's almost like they heard you should have dark scenes, but then when they were looking at it, they're like, this is way too dark. We better turn the brightness up Mm -hmm. because it's just bad CGI and then like artificially brightened scenes. Well, I mean, there was one scene where it was a night scene with bad CGI, but there was like a spotlight on the actual scene on the character. We know this is bad, and we want to highlight how bad it is. (laughs) We can't believe you let us make this many. (laughs) Yes. 
see, this is part of the reason why I don't know how much time is passing. Because every time it's night, it's so bright. Because the moon is always full. There's always an establishing shot of the moon being full. So it's got to have been, what, not even a week? But they're talking like it's months at a time. Now, you see, in, in this version of the Full Metal Alchemist uh, universe, the moon is always full for maximum dramatic ambiance. That sounds about right. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it gets happens during a full moon. The, yeah. The rotation of the Earth and the moon are in sync. <laughs> oh. I. So is this also when they just basically, like, scene for scene, do the trap Celine in a earth cage. Yeah. The visual of the earth cage like pulling up and closing was not bad. It was a low bar, um but it was at least anything that happened which is better than what we've been dealing with up to this point. And then Alphonse is inside there and he goes, "Aha, you fell for our trap. It was the only way to get rid of your shadow powers." We the, know about your shadow powers for some reason. The audience has not been told about the shadow powers. Mm-hmm. So... What even happens next? I don't remember. I, I forget if the whole Selene thing is part of their coup, or the coup is waiting for them to capture Selene to go forward. I think it's the latter, because we then... We then oh, have... wait, no, no, no. Uh, something that happens next, um, Armstrong uh, is like, is, it right. goes to Central, and it's like, hey, you're like an evil homunculus monster who wants to take over the world, right? That's hot. Make me immortal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brigadier General Armstrong uh, goes to infiltrate the circle of the elites by by you know selling out uh fort briggs uh immediately <laughs> yeah you know negotiating for that raise in those extra vacation ne negotiating days. yes <laughs> immediately and wrath says i am not suspicious of you at all i will immediately allow this to happen i trust you completely well i mean it's yep. wrath so i mean what kind of analytical anything <laughs> is going on beyond this that sounds good cool oh <laughs> Also, back when they were meeting Father, he turned Lin into Greed. Yes. Oh, oh right. that's right. That does happen. Greedling barely matters. So, yeah. They shove Greed into Lin. They have a scene that's just obnoxious. It's just blue fire around them. And it's him talking to the CGI blue fire demon. And he's just like, I like your greed, kid. He's just like, I'll give you your body, but not all of me, but all of me. Cool. It's also weird because he frames, you know, his not wanting to disappoint the sacrifice of his guard as, as greed. greed. And yeah. I'm like, that's the opposite of greed. Well, I mean, <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure if I understand the context from the anime and manga correctly, one of the things with Lin is, um, like, the idea of, um, like, the servants are his, and, like, that is, like, the greed angle of it. But, like, that was done a little bit in the previous movie, but nobody is introduced in any way in this movie except for, I think, Hohenheim. This movie has too many characters. Yeah. Way too many characters. And it keeps threatening so many of them. And I think at this point, some have even died. 
and I just don't care. Me neither. Because uh, they're not characters. They're they're placeholders. They're cardboard cutouts. They're the freaking action figures taken out of the package to play with. This is not Full Metal Alchemist. This is playing at Full Metal Alchemist. Also, this is a small thing, but it just bothered me. Uh, in the in the anime, the scene the scenes of Lang talking to Greed and the battle inside the mines is all like red and black because you know that's Greed's color scheme. I don't know why they made it this incredibly obnoxious blue. Maybe they made it the original red and black and are like, that's too visually unreadable. Nobody can tell what's going on. You can't tell what's going on in the blue and white either. It's weird. It's very weird. So he, he'll just randomly show up to, I don't know, exposit menacingly and then be non-committal. I also like how Greenling's entire thing is he's got black eyeshadow and, like, patchy makeup under his eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how you know he is evil and dark and it, edge. It works for me. It's not just a phase, Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a phase, Father. It's great. Ugh. Ugh. The evil freckles. God, mm-hmm. God, where the hell were we? Oh, right, Brigadier General Armstrong's totally not a betrayal. Well, because a coup's going on, and this coup... So they do a great overhead shot of Central, and you're like, oh, man, that's really good. But then you realize, oh, no, they must have had this from the previous movies because it's an actual, like, overhead shot, whereas everything else in this movie has been just bad CG. Mm-hmm. Like, really bad CG. Like, one, uh, we skimmed over it, but there was a scene at the train station where we had to pause because there are just PS2 extras walking in the background. Yeah. <laughs> they were literally, they were literally, like, the background extras were CG models that I swear got taken from uh, a PS2 game. Taken right out of Final Fantasy VII. There's a, another scene at Briggs where um, you see people running around in the background because the battle has started. This, this might be a little bit later, but it's around this time. And, like, you can tell from the run cycle they're not people. Like, they don't have, they don't move like human beings. They run like video game models with a run cycle. Mm-hmm. It's absurd. So, yeah, um, this is when the coup happens. The, there's... Well, well, to be fair, this is when we're told the coup happens. Because, <laughs> man, do they fight the hardest to make sure the entirety of that coup happens off screen. Yep. I swear, the last... They speedrun so much in the first hour so that the last hour can be, you know, the fin- all the, the climactic last battles. And it just feels so dragged out. You remember the, like, 30 seconds Hawkeye's dog was in there? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's that dog. That dog. And the rest of Rory's, uh, rest of Mustang's friends. Yeah. They sure exist. They show up. Look, the dog was the best character. It was a very cute ship. They, They show up long enough for Mustang to be, like... Uh, we're I go- sure do have some comrades, don't I? We're going into battle. That means my orders are only this. Don't die. Frickin' Halo 3-ass one-liner. <laughs> hey, oh. hey, don't you insur- uh, insult Halo 3 by comparing it to this crap. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, uh, at some point, Sloth 
pops out of the ground. Then, oh, yeah. Yeah. Here's where, like, the concept of time completely freaking breaks down. <laughs> because the assault on Central by, like, the Briggs soldiers and, and like, Swath is there and, like, everyone's fighting. Because, like... It's, it's like, all in bright daylight. Uh, and, and, like, there's a whole thing of, why are these soldiers out of position? And uh, it's revealed, oh, it's because I was a traitor all along, says uh, Brigadier General Armstrong. Uh, the uh, obvious reveal. Uh, she does some things that were not painfully boring but we're just mostly boring uh and that's when sloth shows up uh he just pops out of the ground because you know his boss fight has started you've triggered his boss fight yeah <laughs> pretty much so she and her cousin uh cousin brother their brother i hmm, i thought there were distant armstrong relations but nope i don't know brother and sister the two armstrong siblings then fight sloth for Presumably six like hours, I think. Yeah, which is like encapsulated within like a minute, thirty seconds. Yeah, because there is there is an amazing moment where Sloth. I mean, for a start, we need to show that Sloth is fast, but we can't have Sloth just one shot one of them. So he has to miss both of them and smash face first into a wall. That was fun. I am the fastest homunculus. <laughs> you know when I when I actually feel like it. You know. But then there's another point where uh, he does it again to try to hit uh, Brigadier General. Armstrong, and it's like, oh no, has she been hit? And then um, Major Armstrong is like, holding him back with all of his might, cut away to three transitions of the day-night cycle uh-huh. throughout the rest of the movie, and it comes back to uh, Major <laughs> Armstrong still holding him still back. Holding it back. <laughs> it's like, has this been going on for 36 hours? They're also fighting Wrath. By the way. In the same time frame, yeah. vaguely. Yeah. Because we have a great moment of um, the Briggs soldiers and the rest of the rebels getting up to the front gates of uh, headquarters. We and have 90% of the uh, capital secured. That means we've completely won. Oh, crap. The main boss is right there <laughs> and completely unharmed. Uh, this was honestly my favorite fight because just because... Of the sheer amount of stupid shit that happened with Wrath, we haven't mentioned it, but Old Man Fu has showed up a few times to just remind us that he's here, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, what we're what we're about to get with Wrath is literally anything, which was an unbelievable blessing at this point, because all of us were done by now. <laughs> and it's actually a halfway decent uh, fight scene. He's fighting with uh, Greedling at one point. Well, it starts off. It starts off awful as usual because he just one shots one of the Briggs uh, Briggs soldiers, like the the main Briggs soldier who Buccaneer. I don't, I don't think the movie names him. His name's Buccaneer. Well, that's delightful, but he's not named in the movie, <laughs> so he's he's that guy over there with the chainsaw arm. Um, he, that guy gets one shot, uh, and then Greed shows up and. I'm in my rebellious phase is a line I'm going to keep repeating until I die two hours later in this 
endlessly long movie. Um, and the fight between wrath and greed is actually, you know, an action scene where things happen. It's delightful. It's decently choreographed. I'm not going to call it good, but it's the most interesting thing visually that's happened. It has the only time I laughed at something I think the movie meant as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, they got the old man ninja whose name I never learned. Uh, Fu. Old man Fu uh, jumps in to set off some dynamite charges strapped to him to just like take uh, Wrath out in a kamikaze when Wrath cuts the fuses off of all the sticks of dynamite attached to him. And there's a lovely slow motion where the actor is just looking down at the cut dynamite and goes, oh no! <laughs> his, his old man face twisted up like, oh shit! <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god! We did the joke where we paused and like, it was then that he knew. You no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's also another really funny moment where I think it was a continuity error. Matt is of the opinion it was done on purpose, where when Fu shows up initially, I mean, there's some pretty decent wire work going on, but there's just a shot where Wrath is, like, reacting to something that just is not there. Yeah. And I think they just forgot to composite the shots, and, like, the editors let it slip because they care about uh, about this movie just as much as the rest of us do. <laughs> I don't know at this point. <laughs> it, it's amazing. Fu, like, jumps in and swings his sword... But he's obviously too far away from Wrath to hit him. But Wrath is like, like Big Perry, oh no! <laughs> somebody stabs Fu, or somebody stabs Wrath through Fu. One of the Briggs soldiers we don't get introduced to. No. Nope. Yep. So it's like, oh, Wrath has been defeated. Question mark? That man sure lives with that stab wound for the rest of the, yep. like, two weeks of this movie. Well, yeah. okay, this, this is very much a case where it's like, boy, this is the reason why this movie was a bad idea in the first place. Because from what we've seen in the movie, that should not slow down a homunculus. A homunculus shouldn't even feel that. But then... Sam, uh, FMA Loremaster over here points out, no, they they mentioned briefly in the movie the idea that uh, Rap, that Rap was originally a human that got turned into a homunculus, yes. and therefore the rules are different. It is not established that the rules are different for uh, humans turned into homunculi versus other homunculi. This is something you could only know if you've seen the original series, which if you had, why would you bother with this? Uh-huh. And if you hadn't, there's no way you could know that! <laughs> it's okay. Um, meanwhile, while all of this is going on, um, and also, actually, let's finish with the Wrath part, because this is where the whole timeline shenanigans get weird. Because Wrath falls into the moat, falls into the moat, then swims oh. up from the moat at night, uh-huh. and then goes and meets the group of them who are in the middle of killing Envy. Mm-hmm. In broad daylight. Which happens in the CG, which happens in the green screen room. Yes. But all of this is happening while Sloth is beating up the Armstrongs. <laughs> yeah, it's contiguous with the Sloth fight. And I don't know when anything is. <laughs> you know, time is just a construct, everyone. Right. I don't know what's going on with that. But then comes to the part we just, a lot of this movie is just, I didn't enjoy. This made me mad. It's how much they make the drama of, oh no, 
Mustang wants to kill Envy. What a terrible monster he is. Yeah, like, okay, this is an important point in the original text. It's supposed to be this thing of, like, uh, Mustang is going to, like, give in to his anger and, like, become... It's not that he is a monster now, it's that he's going to become a monster if he continues down this path. Because he's not doing what he... He's not involved in this fight because he's trying to do what's right, uh, you know, for the nation, for people. He's doing it out of his own personal anger. Um, And uh, it's, it's one of those ones where it's like, Yes, the movie literally says those things, but boy, it does not earn a lick of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is it is a bunch of deep character exposition explained to the audience directly through characters saying it out loud, which is the worst freaking way to do that sort of thing. It is almost impossible to say out loud the things that this uh, these scenes are trying or this particular scene is trying to convey. Also, Ed and everybody else are here because. Why why have this important character scene between Mustang and Hawkeye be just between them? No, we need to dilute it by adding everybody else. Because Hawkeye is not allowed to do anything. I love when they ask Scar what he feels about Mustang becoming a murderer for the things he loves. Even I, the evil man Scar, think that you should be a good man who changes the world for good, but you have strayed from your path. Like, Scar, you don't get to talk down to him like this. I also think, I'm pretty sure at this point, Mustang looks up and is like, oh, Scar's here, what when did that happen? <laughs> like, what so, the fuck? So Envy, as done with this as we are, decides to just commit suicide. He rips out his own Philosopher's Stone and melts. Power move. <laughs> yeah, power move. Uh, Have you ever been so done that you just commit Sudoku <laughs> in front of everybody? Hopefully not. <laughs> I, I don't blame Envy. Neither. <laughs> I wish I could have gotten out of this movie. <laughs> oh, man. So. Oh, wait a second. Is this where Scar starts fighting Raph? No, no. You know what? We've skipped over the only halfway decent scene in the movie. What's that? Uh, we skipped over where they go into the um they go into an empty CG warehouse and a door opens and the cum zombies are back. Oh yeah! Right. <laughs> because because totally... Mustang shows up into this scene by stopping the only halfway enjoyable scene in the movie by one shotting all That's the right. cum zombies. They fight all the cum zombies and then Envy's like, "Who killed all my cum zombies?" <laughs> Seriously, that must be, they must be listening to our episodes because they know this is the best part of, this, of these entire series. Because we totally didn't blow that entire... Go ahead and we, say it. We, we didn't blow that load in the first movie. <laughs> oh, um, honestly, honestly a... that terrible pun is better than anything that was in this movie, I assure you. Uh, um, so the coup goes off well... At some point, Hohenheim's backstory got revealed, but it who cares? They tell the, they tell the Xerxes story in an exceedingly abridged and just boring way. Well, like, here's the worst part. I get, because I am filmically literate, the what each of these scenes are and mean, but they have 
absolutely no connective tissue between the start of Hohenheim's flashback. They never explain that this is um, Hohenheim telling the story to any other character. And it just ends with another completely disconnected scene. Like, if you're filmically literate, you can figure this out. And it's like, how the hell does Ed know that later in the movie? Also, very confusingly... Uh, young Hohenheim is played by Ed's actor, and there's no indication this is a flashback. So you mm-hmm. think Ed has just gone through a costume change for a little bit? Yeah. Why? Why is Why is Ed referring to himself as a slave? I don't know. I mean, it just gave me think the indication that essentially you are just genetically copying yourself throughout the ages. Which <laughs> you know might not be incorrect. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But like. I understand through filmic literacy what what was intended, but like it does feel like a continuity error, especially because of the overall incompetence of this movie, where later on, when Ed is using information in this scene, I had to like stop, take myself out of the movie, and think about how the hell does Ed know that Oh, that flashback that they had they didn't tell us was a flashback and that had no indication was a flashback was Hohenheim telling the story to Ed. Okay. I guess. that That's a thing that happened at some point, and fine. Sure, whatever, I guess. Oh, and then, at this point, it just kind of devolves into the slog of the final... of the Eclipse and the final battle against Father. Like, the Eclipse at least looked okay i think it was the best visual like segment in the movie because it has um father teleport the human sacrifices to uh, i thought it was just like a pocket dimension but no it was just another it, floor of the endless cg warehouse just, they literally just go downstairs yeah was this after they forced Mustang to do human transmutation and lose his eye? It was, yeah, it was yes. during that scene. I still don't... Uh, for, the movie's logic for how this scene works doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, that, it doesn't okay. at all. Yeah, Mustang's just blind now. Um, just take his actor's word for it. <laughs> yep. He, um, I guess, tries to act blind. Mm-hmm. There's no indication of uh, anything uh, being wrong with his eyes. No cloudy contacts. Well, he doesn't even keep them closed. I mean, that's another thing, though, from the sight-impaired community, though. That is not something that is necessarily indicative of I know, but, like, but to convey it to the audience, this character has now changed that you were just watching. Anything would have been... Him not still staring at people he's talking to would have been great. Like, Yeah, he doesn't even act as if he's blind. He just says it out loud. At one point, he looks at Ed as he's like on the ground, and he just goes, Wait, who's touching me? Who's touching me? Is that you, full metal? <laughs> I assume you'd be the first one to touch me. I would recognize that, <laughs> that one hard hand anywhere. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. <laughs> So, Father, in his, like, weird tar dwarf form, looks honestly pretty, pretty cool. I, so, tar dwarf Father is probably the best-looking CGI in this entire thing. 
I think mm. it's worth noting, as good as it looks, it doesn't look like it's in the same space as anything else. No, no, but it, it so is it's, artistic, at least. It's mm. good for this movie. I, I feel like that should probably go without saying, but I also want to point it out because I want to insult and denigrate this movie at every conceivable opportunity <laughs> because it deserves it. The level of anger that... Uh, was felt for the other two movies honestly pales in comparison to this one this one was uniquely terrible relative to the other two the other two at least had stories yep in this we just go through the eclipse sequence uh it's you know the dwarf opens up the big continent-sized gate of truth and eats god um he has a beam struggle with Hohenheim. <laughs> I'm firing my laser. <laughs> he has a beam struggle with Hohenheim long enough for Scar to finish off Wrath mm -hmm. and then begin the reverse transmutation circle to make the various souls that uh, Father absorbed rebel against him. But he still he still swallowed God, mm -hmm. so like, that's when he fires his laser. And like <sighs> this sequence, this sequence, dear listeners, I made the joke. I'm a firing my laser when when the mouth started glowing, safe in the knowledge that that was not what was about to happen. And then it literally just happens. He fires a mouth beam cannon that looks like the goddamn shoop to whoop. I lost it. Uh, anyone who's not ancient, um, I don't even know how to explain early YouTube to you. Just, just, just search shoop to whoop and have fun with that, I guess. But, um, don't watch this movie. Go look up that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'll be much better you'll use be, of your time. Yes, you'll be much more entertained. Uh, so, we have the final fight against Father. I'm not gonna lie, I started falling asleep. This movie was just sapping my soul out. <laughs> I think it was I turning think, you uh, into a philosopher's they, stone. They've yeah. got a great scene where they get out from the cavern they're in by hopping on, like, Basically, turd-looking Earth platforms. <laughs> they just kind of rise out of the ground. Man, tough who? This Earth bending, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what alchemy is, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just Earth bending. Blasphemy. Yeah. Um, Ed <laughs> ganks yeah. uh, Celine. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. By just grabbing him and just materializing his head, and just like Ed kills a child. Um, and mentions he turns himself into a philosopher's stone. Um, you only know that because Celine says it. I declared it. Yep. And he turns Celine into a little f fetus thing that he then just kind of leaves on his folded up coat. Says, "I'll uh, uh, you, you stay, stay there. You, you stay, stay there. I'll be back." Little did he know he'd never come back. <laughs> we, we never hear. We never hear from him again. <laughs> And then there's the sequence of trying to wear down Father's shields and then, you know, beat the crap out of him after that. You know, basically punch him in the stomach until he vomits up God. There are so many cases where it's like, okay, we can do the thing. What the fuck is the thing? I don't know, but we're gonna do it. And then some kind of uh, colorful explosion happens. Okay, now we can do the thing. What the fuck is the 
thing. What is happening now? Like, at one point, Ed gets impaled on a piece of rebar, mm-hmm. and he can't move. His automail arm's been destroyed. And then Alphonse just has to go, but no, he traded his arm for my body at one point, so clearly the opposite must work. Equivalent exchange. And I'm like... Well, equivalent exchange clearly wasn't equivalent earlier, but you know what? Whatever. Um, We're not going to talk about that because this movie doesn't have consistent internal rules. Yeah, which I think that's I think that's also how the um, the manga works. So I'm not going to blame this movie for that. There's other things it did wrong. Um, and there's a whole thing where May gets to do something useful, creates the transmutation circle. Edward yells no, and Alphonse trades his body. Or his soul, I guess, is what he ends up trading. Yeah, his soul for Ed's arm. And just as a note, I don't think Ed and Al say each other's names at any point. No, they, they say brother constantly. Brother. There's a lot of brother going around. Yep. And so with his flesh arm restored, Ed is able to beat the piss out of father. <laughs> you can do it now, Ed. What is it? Punch father with my bare fist. This has nothing to do with alchemy. It's just a fist fight now. But we're going to frame it in slow-mo like it means anything. Which is kind of baffling because we can talk about continuity all we want, but he's been without his arm for 10 years now? A long time. But he's still able to land a punch with this same arm. Yeah. (laughs) It does have longer nails, so that's how you know it's, it's... the uh, the original arm. So, with uh, Father defeated, the dwarf is poorly sucked into the Door of Truth in bad CGI, and then Ed goes to do the thing where he gives up his ability to do alchemy in, in exchange for Al being Oh, returned. come on, he can't skim over... The fact that Greedling they tried to make us care about. Oh my right. god! I forgot about that. Right. So, so greed, greed did a thing. Greed is like I'm in my rebellious phase because he keeps saying that, and then Father just punches him through the chest and dies. <laughs> but I was in my rebellious phase. <laughs> but then Greed's just like. Aha, but you fell for my trap, and now I'm in your mouth. (laughs) Hit me, Edward. (laughs) (laughs) What? Which also sucked greed out of Ling's body, so Ling is now mortal again. And has a philosopher's stone, so his mission is fulfilled, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So, father is destroyed, and Al is returned. We have an... Terminably long where are they now segment that doesn't actually answer any of the where are they nows yeah it's amazing because they they managed to skip out on so many like important like character moments like they never resolve mustang being blind they never give him the ultimatum of uh using a philosopher's stone to fix his blindness when he knows what they are and he has to make the moral choice of paying souls for that effect that doesn't happen in the uh... no hawkeye just kind of goes hey you're blind suck it up you can still be a leader i mean not an actual leader but a leader i'm like hawkeye <laughs> yeah why why would you <laughs> phrase it that way i'm being honest 
<laughs> I believe in you. Okay, so we're canceling Hohenheim, and now we're canceling Hawkeye. Yeah. And uh, so we... Wait, wait hold, hold on. It looks like hashtag cancel Hawkeye was already going strong. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch. So we end on uh, the classic scene on the uh, at the train platform where uh, Ed's going to go off on some sort of adventure. But before he goes, he has to... Um, he has to propose to Winry in the most Ed way possible. She accepts. They hug. It's cute. They they do the same line of dialogue three times in a row. Yeah. It's different variations on the same thing. And it's, it's so long. It's so long. And in the most beautiful way this movie could have ended. <laughs> Which almost makes it worth it. We end on a freeze frame of Ed... Like, briefcase slung over his shoulder, going to step on the train, smiling, that turns into a sepia-toned <laughs> picture. They badly photoshop the still frame of the movie into a sepia-toned photograph, and then it just says Finn, because it thinks it's some kind of classy art house movie, I guess. <laughs> And that's Full Metal Alchemist, the final alchemy. It's <laughs> over, yeah. That's that's the ending it deserved. It's over? Question mark. It's over. Period. <laughs> Finn. Period. <sighs> and well. then and then they uh, they do a live action adaptation of uh, Conquerors of Shambhala. If, all, if only if we got only. live action Hitler summoning a bunch of dragons. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> so so next uh, No Read November, Full Metal Alchemist Part 4, The Finalist Alchemy. <laughs> oh, I mean... What's yeah. there even to discuss? I mean, we're not going to continue watching because there's nothing we left. Can. We We're done. I make the executive decision. To... We're not revisiting it. No. Okay. Okay, yeah. I declared it. So, Sam, Matt. as the person who loves Full Metal Alchemist the most out of all of us, um, <laughs> aren't you glad it got the live-action treatment? I feel like I didn't drink enough. <laughs> I feel like that's a threat. <laughs> You're about to get the live-action treatment. I'm uh, sorry? I, this, these movies are the reason why live-action adaptations have a bad reputation. This is everything wrong with a live-action adaptation of a anime or manga. So, we haven't, because we're not idiots, we didn't go back and check the first two since we've watched them. I want to never watch any of these movies again. I somehow seem to remember the first one being at least watchable in comparison to this. Yes. Yes. This was painfully intolerable. Because they had obviously written themselves into numerous corners with the first two movies, and then just had to speed run everything else iconic. I, particularly the first movie, because the second movie was designed to be the middle movie in a trilogy, mm -hmm. whereas the first movie was originally designed to be a self-contained movie with tacit sequel bait tacked onto the end in case it made enough money to get more films. Mm -hmm. Which is why it was confusing, because I can't even argue, so was it the... It wasn't the script, it was not the directing, like what really fell through? To kind of leave it till... Well, probably COVID. 
Probably. Yeah, yeah, given when this movie was made, that probably had but, a I mean, pretty heavy is, factor. But I mean, this was the, this was the third movie in the trilogy, so it's kind of like. But I mean, it's to me, it felt heavy. Where it's kind there, of it was too dense. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's also the third movie in a trilogy, so the only people really paying for it are the people already invested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but don't you want like that's what I mean, like quality? No, no, no. The, you the, want just, their money. You want their money at, and so, to pay as little uh, in the making of it as possible. So we just need to hit the. Uh, we just need to hit the key visual beats. Even if we pay them no justice, even if they have zero actual thought or energy behind them, we just need to make them happen. Yeah, this is this is highway uh, robbery. I mean, yep. like, strictly speaking, this is a video game term, but this is shovelware. This is uh-huh. <laughs> we slapped a well-known, uh, well-loved uh, um, property with uh, with a lot of iconography and a dedicated fan base onto something that we made for 45 cents in a weekend and this is what you get when you do that i mean not for nothing but like if you look at uh, a case of comparing to something like um a both very transformative but also uh really faithful adaptation like the netflix death note they changed a lot but they changed what they had to to fit the shape of a movie Whereas Full Metal Alchemist, it was more concerned about doing the things that were iconic and popular, as many of those as possible in as short amount of time. Like, I mean, like, they're both cash grabs, but at least one put effort into it. This was, hey, the fans are dedicated enough that they ignored all of the unfathomably crimson red flags in this <laughs> first movie we made some money on it let's just make the other two in a weekend and be done with it we'll be uh raking in the cash from this forever you hear that sam it's your fault <laughs> i'm gonna go to bed thank you everybody <laughs> once again for tuning into the over manga cast as always you can find us on all of your social medias where we are at over manga cast uh, we are also on YouTube, where you can like, comment, and subscribe. Please give us an engagement. Please make this worth it for us. This is so <laughs> painful. Uh, if you want to catch up with our episodes, uh, the YouTube is on a two-week delay, so you can head over to overmangacast.com, uh, and we also have a place where you can leave comments on individual episodes there as well. And as always, we appreciate reviews in any and all form, and I really got to apologize. No Read November is a month of live-action anime movies, so, you know, keep that in mind when you're giving us a review. (laughs) And on that note, if you actually have any good recommendations for some live-actions, send them our way. That'd be really appreciated. We need them desperately. I don't think there are good live-action anime movies at this point. (laughs) I think Death Note was a fever dream. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to find out next week by diving deep into the archives of uh, movie history by watching Fist of the North Star from the 1995 live-action Hollywood adaptation. This can't go poorly. That was a choice. Like... A solid choice, but a choice. I I don't even know. I, I'm dead inside after this movie, so we'll see. We'll see you all next Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night, folks.
Save us. Good night.